Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Graceland Church. How you guys doing? Can we uh, honor and give thanks to our worship team for blessing us today? Great job, team. Thank you. I want to give a few details about our Brotherhood camp out, and then I'm going to get into the message. Take a look at this schedule. I woke up at 3.30 a.m. this morning, and I just realized we need a little more details about the Brotherhood camp out. So lo and behold, my mind at 3.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. Hold for applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Snaps. I see some giving me snaps. Um, The reason I wanted to do this briefly is because a lot of you men have been asking me for more details about the trip. I think because you've been wondering if you're going to live through it, which I understand. It's an experimental brotherhood camp out out on the land of grace. Here's what we're doing. We'll meet at 6 p.m. for arrival, uh, tent set up and fire pit set up this upcoming Friday night. At 7, we'll do our dinner, hot dogs, chips, water, and Coke, talking about the drink there. At 8 p.m., we'll do worship, prayer, and Devo, which I'll share. At 8.30 p.m., we'll do communion, which, by the way, I believe will be our first ever official communion on that part of the land of grace. And if you don't know, we own a lot of acreage here at the church, and I'm going to explain where it is in a moment. And we're, we're prayerfully working on a development project called the Land of Grace for the Good of the City, and this will be our first communion out there, so that will be very special. S'mores at 9 hang at 10, 11, sleep. Saturday morning, breakfast. We are catering breakfast. We're grilling like men on Friday night. We're catering breakfast. Who prefers catering? Anybody with me? Anybody? No? Willing to admit it? Why only women raise their hands? Okay. (laughs) Prayer walk on the land of grace at 10 a.m. And then trap shooting at 10.30 a.m. And then we'll tear down and clean up. You can come just Friday or Saturday. That's my cell number right there. Just let me know. We need you to register and pay online. Uh, The... uh, QR code will be on the other graphic. You don't have to put that up right now, but that's the URL. Um, if payment is an issue for it, just let us know. And if you want to come one night or the other, we'll let you, how, let you know how much to pay. It's just to cover the cost of the food uh, and the ammo for the trap shooting. And then next page, I wanted to give you this. Make sure you bring a Bible, notebook, journal, and pen, lawn chair, tent. We do have extra space. Text me to let me know whether you have one or if you can share. A lot of us will be sharing larger tents, sleeping bag, pillow, basic toiletries. Note, and this is important, we'll use the woods and the church facility bathrooms when needed, if you catch my drift. No showers. Bring some hand sanitizer, flashlight, snacks, water bottle, bug spray, sunblock, hat, boots, coat. It's perfect weather because it's warm during the day, but it gets just chilly enough at night. It's that perfect camp out weather. The way you get there is you drive through our driveway and out the back exit. The gate will be open. It's as if you're going into the neighborhood, but you just go straight up the hill. It's a paved road down the other side to the end of the paved road, and you'll come to the end of the paved road, which I just said, and you'll be right by 65, and you'll see all our cars parked there, and you'll understand where to go. It's going to be amazing. I hope you guys will consider it. Let me know if you have any questions. I, I know I made a lot of jokes that no one laughed at during that presentation. I'm trying to liven up this, this crew this morning. I don't know where my people are, but Cunny, can you help me? Ne- thank you. Thank you. Nessa's not here, so Daniel, I don't know. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, in all seriousness, I think it's going to be a really 
beautiful encounter with God and really special. I hope you guys will consider coming out. Uh, that being said, I'm going to get into the message. And today, I think Heather mentioned it during announcements. We are finishing our series through the Gospel of John. It's been called Believe. We've been studying this for two years. I started this series on September 12th, 2021. It's hard to believe. We took a few breaks throughout for Advent series. We did a Life in the Spirit series. We did a Dream Again series. We had guest speakers and other preachers from our own church. But every time we uh, had a guest, they didn't do the Gospel of John series. So I've been privileged to teach through every verse of this book. Of course, we could go much, much longer if you really went slowly through each chapter. But today we're finishing the series with a message called Restored and Recommissioned. I want to give you two definitions to start. Restored means to be brought back to former condition and renewed. And recommissioned means to be brought back into use and purpose. Now you guys know this because we've all been through failures, but failure has a way of making us feel like we've lost our identity and our purpose. And this chapter is about the apostle Peter, one of the disciples being publicly restored to his identity and to his purpose. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands, uh, some of you guys might be in a moment like this right now, but how many of you have questioned who you are in moments of failure, in moments of struggle, even in moments of great victory? Sometimes when we're really honest with ourselves, we wonder who we are, and then we wonder, why are we here? Any existential crisis friends out there with me? What, what are we doing here on this planet? What is our purpose? What are his meaning? I saw a young dude in the back raise his hand on existential crisis, 11, 12 years old and, and pondering the mysteries of the universe. I love it. The story that we're studying today is the restoration of Peter. And to give the backstory, you need to know that he had just failed publicly when he denied Jesus three times. Jesus was being arrested, going to his crucifixion. It had been prophesied that Peter would fail. He denied that, whatever, that it would ever happen. And then when push came to shove, he denied knowing Jesus three times. He even cursed about it. He was so angry and it was a public failure. And, and he is probably feeling at this moment um, somewhat restored. He's already met the risen Christ, Christ twice, which is obviously incredible. We studied that the last couple of weeks, but there was still some sense of interaction with Jesus needed for full restoration and recommissioning, which is what we're going to study today. And the good news for all of us, because we will fail too. Anybody with me? Anybody willing to admit you will fail? You have failed before. You will probably fail again. We're all in the same boat. We're a bunch of failures here at Graceland Church. Welcome this morning. I hope you feel so encouraged. But really, the gospel is for the failures, man. The people that realize they need help. Anybody with me? It is for those that are willing to confess their need. So we stand in need before God, even on our best days. So this applies to every single one of us. Let's begin in John 21, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So it's interesting to note the disciples were just doing what they always did. Most of them were fishermen. So they were going back to their vocation. And oftentimes when we don't know what to do next, especially in a season of failure, we usually go to what is familiar. And that's not a bad thing. It's beautiful because Jesus meets us right in that 
familiar place. Look in verse four. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So even though they've encountered the risen Christ twice, they don't realize it's Jesus yet. And he calls out to them, friends, haven't you caught any fish? It's almost like they didn't realize it was Jesus, but it's almost like an insult. He knows already they haven't caught any. Haven't you caught any? Really loud to all the professional fishermen. And no, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So all of a sudden, at the word of Jesus, and they don't even realize it's Jesus yet, they make this miraculous catch. Now, some of them were first called by Jesus at the time of a miraculous catch of fish. And it's amazing that now, here interacting with the risen Christ, we see another miraculous catch. And there's a few powerful truths that are kind of side notes to the main message, but I wanted to mention them. Following the voice of Jesus works. Have you realized that? They obeyed the voice of Jesus. Obedience is what leads to fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, because Jesus knows how to be fruitful more than we do. Has anybody learned that in their life yet? You can never go wrong obeying the voice of Jesus, ever. It might not be exactly fruitful in the way you want it to be, but your life will be most fruitful when you are most obeying Jesus, period. And it's another example of that. But in the context of restoration that we're studying today, I think it's interesting to note, number two, after Peter's failure, Jesus still worked a miracle in his life. He's not fully restored yet. And here Jesus is giving him a miraculous catch of fish. It's a beautiful reminder that the miracles of God in our life are never because we get it all right. It's because God is God. God is faithful. God is merciful. God is gracious. He can do miracles and he does them because he loves us. Don't we sometimes think we get a miracle if we're somehow perfect or if we somehow line up right or if we stir quite, if we just stir enough faith, maybe we can get the miracle. And this story seems to kind of fly in the face of that. He does a miracle still post Peter's failure. He is not restored yet. And Jesus is doing this incredible miracle. Then in verse seven, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John talking about himself, said to Peter, it is the Lord. So Peter and John recognized Jesus as they saw the fruit from listening to his voice. In verse seven, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. You gotta love this about Peter. This is the same Peter that jumped out on the water another time when Jesus was walking on the water. Peter walked on the water for a little while. Then he saw the waves and got scared and began to sink. Now, here he is, sees the risen Christ on the shore. He's out on the water. First thing he does is jumps right in. And here's the principle that I love. After Peter's failure, he still jumped at the chance to be with Jesus. He's just chasing Jesus. Post-failure, pre-failure, in the midst of failure. He's jumping in the water. And I wrote this down. It's always good to jump in the water where Jesus is. It's never a bad idea. And I, I, I work with people a lot in pastoral care and in discipleship, and it's super common, and it's common in my own life too, that after we fail, we, need, we feel like we need to do a certain amount of penance before we can like jump back in and be all in with Jesus. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, let me feel bad for maybe two months, and then maybe I can be all in with Jesus again. And it's just such nonsense. It's always good to jump all into the river of God, if you will, or the water where Jesus is. Chase after him with all your heart, even right after you fail. Because your walk with him, your, your, your stance with him, your love from him, your salvation in him was never based on you not being a failure. It was based on you being a failure. 
Is anybody with me? Chase him. Don't, don't wait for a while. If you're in the midst of struggle right now and you just feel like, I can't, I can't connect. I've been thinking such awful things. I, I know the inward realities of my heart. I, I know where I was dishonest. Well, here's what you do. You confess your sin and you keep chasing after Jesus. That's what you do. The sooner, the better. My dad always told me, you measure maturity by how quickly you repent. You don't, measure it by, by, you don't measure it by you never mess up anymore. You measure it by when you do mess up, how long does it take you to jump back in the water? You with me? How long does it take you to see Jesus and be like, I'm all in with you? It can be immediate. And it doesn't mean you don't have conviction for sin. It doesn't mean you don't ask for forgiveness. You do. I'm not saying treat sin lightly. I'm not saying failure is not a big deal. But I'm saying it doesn't hold you back from Jesus. Go all in with him. I love it. It's always good to jump in the water. Then the other disciples, verse eight, followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. Just look at that. The last time he was sitting with them and breaking bread and giving it to them was at the Last Supper. Think about it. Now he's doing with it on the seaside as the risen Christ. And it says he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is you're not in your notes, but I think it's such a wonderful thing to take a moment on. Sometimes following Jesus is as simple as a meal. It's just being with him. You're not stirring yourself up into anything radical or some high significant call in your life. What we are called to do is be with Jesus. And what meals represent all throughout scripture is relationship. So this meal is and represents relationship with the risen Christ. And that's what he wants from you. So he, here he is sitting with Peter, still pre being fully restored, sharing a meal with him. In other words, being in relationship with him. And by the way, we may, we, we, we may not be with Jesus in, in his literal physical body, but we are with his body, the body of Christ. I truly believe when we are with the believers, when we are with the family of God, not just on Sundays, but especially around meals, especially just living life together, we are with Jesus. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We are with him. That's our highest calling. And then we read on to the actual restoration. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, look at me for a second before you read on. Scholars say it can go one of two ways if you just study scripture. I don't know which way it is. I'm gonna share both of them. What does Jesus mean when he says, then these? Do you love me more than these? Some believe Jesus is saying, do you love me more than these other disciples that are here sitting with us? Because back in Matthew chapter 26, Peter had kind of proudly declared, like he would do often, he would say like, I'm never gonna deny you. I'm never gonna do this or that. Well, he had declared once, I love you more than all the others. And, and some scholars believe Jesus is kind of circling back now that Peter's been humbled. And he's saying, hey, do you still believe you love me more than all these? Almost like a, 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 a come to Jesus moment. Others believe that Jesus is saying, do you love me more than these? The, the fish and the bread and, and the vocation of fishing. Because when Jesus first met Peter, he called him, to come follow him, leave the vocation of fishing. I'm gonna teach you to fish for men. So some believe it's part 
of the recommissioning. Either way, the heart of what he's asking is, do you love me? He's saying, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, when Jesus is talking about lambs there, he's not talking about like his side lamb business. You know what I mean? Like, here's my lambs, come feed them. He's talking about the people of God. We are compared to sheep. We are compared to lambs. Lambs are the little ones. So he's saying, feed my people. And then again, Jesus said in verse 16, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said again, take care of my sheep. Now, there's a principle here, and it's number four in your notes. Jesus asked Peter questions for his own sake. And that's true of the questions that Jesus asks us. In fact, if you read through the Gospels and pay attention, you see that Jesus leads through asking questions a lot. He asks questions like, what do you want? Sometimes the Lord is just saying, hey, what do you want? He asks someone, do you want to be whole? He asks, can you add anything to your life by worrying? He already knows the answer, but he wants you to know it. He asks, why are you afraid? He asks, do you believe that I am able? Who do you say I am? Do you want to leave too? One time he asked his disciples that. This time he's asking Peter, do you love me? And then he goes down even further for a third ask. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? By the way, Simon and Peter, same person. He had changed his name to Peter, but he's calling him Simon, son of John right here. Do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Number five, sometimes Jesus keeps asking you the same question until you really believe the answer. I think that's part of what's going on. I believe Jesus knew that Peter's identity and purpose had been shaken. I think that's part of it. It's not the full story of what's happening here. We could preach a three-month series on just this chapter. But I really believe part of what Jesus is doing here is he's trying to help Peter believe the truth about himself. Peter is wondering, do I really love him? I just betrayed him. Do I really belong to him? Am I really a disciple of Jesus? Peter is wondering, is there really the call of Jesus on my life? Am I really supposed to do anything? Do I have a purpose at all in this world and in the kingdom of God? And Jesus is asking him about both. Do you love me? And he's saying, if you love me, then feed my sheep. You know, sometimes I get discouraged in my life and in my work. Anybody else get discouraged sometimes? Yeah? Don't raise your hand, but anybody super discouraged right now? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I see some hands. You don't have to raise them, but I, I know. I mean, we deal with discouragement, and it's so easy to come and be in public spaces and do what we have to do, uh, but put our head on the pillow at night and just feel done, and that happens to me sometimes. And I, I know what it is to lose courage. That's what discourage means. You, you no longer have courage to do what it is you feel you need or should be doing. And sometimes when I get discouraged, I make a call to a friend or a mentor, and, and I basically want to just say, hey, um, can you please encourage me and fix my life? <laughs> like, can you, anybody make calls like that sometimes? I mean, it's a, it's a good call to make. I don't know how you want to start it, but you should make those calls, and I do it sometimes. And one of my friends and mentors, one of the things he asks me if I'm discouraged, especially about some of the kinds of things we're talking about, he'll actually ask me, did God call you? And I'll just leave it at that. That'll be his one response to me. Did God call you? And what it forces me always to think about is, yes, he did. Like I have met the Lord, Jesus, the risen Christ. I believe that. 
I love him. I have come to know him. He's, he's called me. His assignment is on my life. He's been faithful to me. And there's something about putting it to me as a question that helps me figure out the resolve in my own heart. So I just want to ask you this morning, uh, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? You don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to answer in your heart. I think sometimes when dealing with failure and challenges, we get so concerned with our behavior. Are we doing everything right? Are we somehow perfectly hearing his voice and obeying it? Do we have just enough faith to make this happen? When sometimes asking ourselves the question, and I think it comes from the Lord, do you love me? Just clarifies everything. Because if the answer is yes, it's everything else will follow suit. I love you. Now, if the answer is no, I want to challenge you to begin a relationship with Jesus today. I believe he has called you. I believe he, he stirs in you. He speaks to you. He wants, to, he wants you to know him. He already knows you. He's the savior. He's a king. He forgives us of our sins. He's made provision for us, and he's called you into a life of knowing him. Uh, it's been said, Jesus Christ asks each one of us, not primarily for obedience, not primarily for repentance, not for vows, not for conduct, but for a heart. And that being given, all the rest will follow. He, of course, asks for those things. He calls us to obey. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And as we study scripture, we find out what he is interested in is our heart. Do we love him? My grandpa, I called him pop-up, died a number of years ago. I've shared this story, but it fits so perfectly we had no idea he was about to die, and we were all visiting my uh, cousins, my siblings, a bunch of our kids. So, you know, dozens and dozens of people filling this little house, and we were about to leave. And Jessica said, hey, grab some video of Pop-Pop before we go. And I didn't want to because we were already ready to go. And so we went and got the camera. This is back when we actually had a camera like this, right, Jess? We actually had one of these bad boys. And I went up to my pop-up and I said, hey, pop-up, give us your greatest words of wisdom. And he lit up and immediately said, stay in love with Jesus. That was the answer. Stay in love with Jesus. My pop-up was a lifelong pastor. He was a church planner. He was an Assemblies of God district leader for decades. He was highly accomplished, did all these things. His final words to us, his grandkids, and to me uh, was not, hey, go try really hard to be an awesome pastor. It wasn't, hey, go um, have a perfect tithing and church attendance record. Those things are important, by the way. Church attendance, tithing, do that. He was like, stay in love with Jesus. It's all about, do we love Jesus? Everything else follows that. The day after that, my grandfather fell over dead. It's totally unexpected. And we had this video of him because of my wife. <laughs> so thankful for it on the day before his death. And we have that legacy. And, and here's the thing, though. Notice Jesus asks, do you love me? Peter says, yes. And then what does Jesus say? Then feed my sheep. So he connects that, that great commandment, that identity piece with the commission as well. So there's a principle here. Number six, if you love Jesus, get back to the work he has called you to. It answers the questions for you. If you love him, he has not called you to wait until someone says, hey, you should love other people. He's not calling you to wait until someone taps on your shoulder and says, by the way, you're supposed to invest your life into that person. No, no, he's told you already. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's call 
is on your life, not just mine. It's not outsourced to pastors. Our job as a pastor is to equip you for the work of the ministry. So you have purpose and meaning in every facet of your life. Whoever's sitting next to you now likely is someone that in part you are meant to invest your life in and help them know and follow Jesus as they help you know and follow Jesus. The work is not over. If you love Jesus, get back to what he has called you to do. Your salvation, your calling was never based on your perfection and success. It's always been based on the faithfulness of God. It's never been based on you not failing. So whatever failure you're wrestling with now, whatever failure may come up in the future, it does not negate your love for God, ability to receive his salvation, and ability to continue being commissioned by him. And practically, we have to ask ourselves what the work is. In Peter's case, Jesus said, feed my sheep. What we know for all of us is the great commandment and the great commission. I just mentioned it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love him. And then the great commission, go and make disciples baptizing them, teaching them to obey. Everything I've commanded is what Jesus said. And I'll just, if you haven't been baptized, get baptized next Sunday. If you're a follower of Jesus, um, we wanna baptize you. It's part of the command of God. And it's the outward declaration of the inward work. Let me know if you're interested in that. And then be involved in other people's lives and helping them know Jesus and then baptizing them. And we actually have, like if you have someone you've been investing in, you baptize them at Graceland Church. Like I don't get in and baptize every single person. Probably, I don't know, 30 people in our church probably have baptized others. You don't have to be an ordained minister. You're a baptizer. You are Jessica the Baptist. (laughs) Eric the Baptist. Just take the name. We might not be Southern Baptist, but we're Baptist. And I love my Southern Baptist brothers. So get back to the work. And then it's amazing, the end here. I I preached a whole sermon on the trap of comparison out of the last part of this verse. I'm gonna read it now, but I'm not gonna elaborate on it. And then we'll share one final point, but I'm gonna read this now. So then Jesus says, very truly I tell you to Peter in verse 18, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So that was a prophecy in Peter's life that he was gonna be martyred for his faith and even crucified like Jesus, stretching out his hands, addressing him, leading him where he does not want to go. So in a really beautiful way, Jesus is saying, yes, Peter, you do love me and you're gonna follow me all the way to the point of the greatest cost. What a moment on this restoration and recommissioning. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the author of this book, talking about himself, was following them. I kind of feel like John in this moment was like, all right, enough about Peter. Let's bring it back to what's really happening here. My life, John, Jesus, the one Jesus loves. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. So that's John talking about his testimony in these 21 chapters, the gospel of John. If you wanna listen to the message on the trap of comparison, where I dive into that part of the chapter, you can go back a couple weeks on our website. But now we get to the last verse of the last chapter of the gospel of John. And for me, 
I'm really kind of celebrating in my heart. We, we want to make much of God's word. And I'm thankful that I got to teach through every verse of this book over the last two years. And this is the last one. And by the way, we're gonna go into a series about relationships in the coming weeks. We'll do a Vision Sunday. We'll do Advent. And then we're gonna start Proverbs in January. We're gonna talk about a heart of wisdom and go through that entire book. But these two years have led us to this final moment of this final chapter. It's 21 chapters, 879 verses, and 15,635 words that we've looked at in the Gospel of John. And then in verse 25, it says, Jesus did many other things as well. Awesome already. It's letting us know this is just scratching the surface. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And that's the end of the Gospel of John. Isn't that beautiful? The wonders of Jesus cannot be contained in the entirety of the world. All the books wouldn't even begin to tell the beauty and the mystery and the wonder of the living God. And the final principle to close out this series is this. Imagine if we believed Jesus and lived fully restored and recommissioned. Another way to say it, Imagine if you believed Jesus and were completely secure in your identity and in your calling. Completely secure in who you are, beloved son, beloved daughter. How much would that help you in your day to day? I'll tell you, a lot. If you knew who you were and lived like it and acted like it, you would not get as quickly frustrated with others. You would not be threatened by anybody. You'd be so quick to forgive an offense You'd be outside of your own mind and selfishness and you'd be loving and serving and you'd see the world differently. And if you were secure in your purpose and call, you could make decisions without second guessing everything you ever do. You could just love people well. Guess what? You would be free. Who would love to be free? I believe this is what Jesus has called us to. And so I don't mean this principle as an insult to say, I don't think you're doing this, but all of us can grow in living fully into our identity and purpose. You guys with me on that? We can more fully live into that. So what would your life look like if you were more fully living into that right now? What would be different? And I invite you to challenge yourself. God might be speaking to you about repenting from some kind of sins that you're doing, but then there are also the sins of things that we're just ignoring. Scripture says the good that we see that we should do that we ignore is also sin. Like what has God put in your heart to do? Who has God called you to love and serve? What dreams has he put in there? Pay attention to those things. Pay attention to the people around you. Pay attention to the injustice in the world that frustrates you. What makes you like slam the table? I bet you God wants you to do something about that. Pray about it. Ask God, how do you want me to use my resource? How have you called me to serve at Graceland Church? How have you called me to be a part of what you're doing in the kingdom? Just, just lean in to who you are and the fact that he has called you and nothing can shake that. Your failure is not big enough to change what God says. He has said who you are. It is up to you to believe it and receive it. He has said, I have called you son and daughter. It is up to you to say, yes, I believe it. Your failure has nothing to do with it. It's been dealt with. Let it be forgiven. Let it be washed under the blood of Jesus. Forgiven, whole. You will still make more mistakes. Then you have to choose. Be like Peter, jump back in the water. Keep going. We need you. This world needs you. You are here for a reason on purpose. There's a reason you're born at this time. And we need you 
to walk in your calling. We need you to walk in it. We need you as a church. We need you alive. We need you using your spiritual gifts. We need you bringing hope to someone when they're hopeless. I need you. I could preach another sermon right now. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. Lord, we give you thanks that you are alive. Who's with me? Come on. We thank you, God, that you are alive. That's where this book ends that we've been studying. Jesus is alive. He meets us where we are. He makes himself known to us. And some of you guys, I just know he, he's speaking to you today and he's drawing you. He's basically saying, hey, I'm gonna make myself known to you. I am the one calling you. If you just sense that there must be more to this life, if you just have this longing that nothing else seems to touch, that's him. There's only one solution to that. It's saying yes to Jesus. And today might be the day for you to say, yes, Lord, I want to know you. I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. I accept your mercy, your grace. I commit my life to you. Or maybe you've just been reeling in failure. Maybe the enemy has convinced you that you just are a failure. And I just pray in Jesus' name that it will be broken off you today. You are not what your failure says you are. You are not what the enemy says you are. You are not what any person says you are. You are who God says you are. It's settled. It is settled. Jesus says it is finished. There is no wiggle room. And if you're just wanting to say yes in a deeper way, God, teach me who I am. I want to know you more. I want to know myself more. If you're wanting to say, God, teach me about your purpose in my life. Teach me to walk in your ways. Give me eyes to see what you're doing around me. I want to be a part of this meaning that you have created for me. Just stand up across the room. I'm the first to stand up with you. Let's just stand and say yes to him. It's a beautiful way to close out studying this gospel. Uh, us as a church just saying, yes, Lord, we believe. We believe in you. We believe in what you say. If you'll close your eyes with me, bow your hearts. Just take a minute to lean into the presence of the risen Christ. He's with us today. Earlier in this book, we studied about Lazarus who had died. Jesus showed up three days after he died. He was late, but then he rose Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus walked out and he had grave clothes on. And I just, I just came across this with a teacher this week. And I think it's perfect for their, our clothes here. And I think, I think God wants to speak to some of you. Lazarus was resurrected but was still wearing the grave clothes. He was made alive by Jesus, but he hadn't yet taken off the grave clothes. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, but now you have to take off your grave clothes. They actually had to go take them off of Lazarus. And, and some of us, we've been resurrected in Christ. We've come to know him. We've, we've committed our life to him. We might've walked with Jesus for decades, but somehow we've ended up walking with the grave clothes still on. Like we just think we're a failure and we think we have no purpose. We don't know who we are. We're running around, knocking on doors. We're, we're confused. We're looking for things to satisfy us. We, we have forgotten. And I think God just wants to say to you, take your grave clothes off. You're alive. Like come forth fully. 
So we just say yes to that, Lord. I pray each person here would come forth alive. We're going to sing the third verse into the chorus of this song. Then came the morning because we're remembering the resurrection. We're remembering that Jesus is alive. He's conquered sin, death, and the grave. Hallelujah to the one who set me free. And it's about our living hope. And so let's declare it. The, the, the lyrics couldn't fit more perfectly with how we're closing this series. We want to believe on Jesus, our living hope. Hope for full restoration, full recommissioning. We praise you, God. Thank you, you're alive. Thank you, our hope is alive. It cannot be killed. Any voice that says otherwise is not true. Our hope cannot be killed. Thank you, God, for that. Jess, can you come up for one second? I want to share one closing thing. This is my wife, Jessica, in case you don't know her. Um, I was at, with some pastors this past week worshiping, and I had responded to an altar call. And I was just having my eyes closed, crying like usual and worshiping. And um, I had my hands raised. And I don't know who it was, but can you kind of hold your hands up a little bit for a second? Someone came up behind me. I, I never even looked. And they started lifting my hands, my arms a little bit like that. And they just held it. For a while, they just held my arm. And it was so powerful because, you can put it down, thanks. It was, no, no, you can stay. You're too pretty to go back. I'm just trying to gain points for later. Um, I stay, I, they held my arms for a while and it was so powerful and it was a reminder of how we're not alone. Like, it'll make me emotional. But there's people around you, there's people in your life and there's the Lord himself that when our arms are exhausted, you know, and when our arms are falling and when it's slipping and when, when we feel certain ways, there's, there's those that will stand with us and hold our arms up. You, you, someone will hold your arms. You can continue to receive from the Lord. You continue to say, yes, my life is yours. You continue to say, yes, my life is about praising God. Isn't that beautiful? I just wanted to encourage you with that. I felt like it might be uh, for someone today. And then Jessica, you wanna do our, ben our benediction? Then we'll be dismissed. Before she reads it, I want to point out there will be some announcements up there. If you if you need any of those QR codes, they'll go up after the screen. But she's going to, I mean, after she's after the service is over, they'll be up there. Jessica's going to pray this and we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your day.